0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. So I want to pray for us this morning because this is one of those messages um, That is a little bit more difficult because we're not going to, we're going to, we've been talking about unfair, our God's, how he's unfair to us. Unfair meaning we haven't earned his grace, we haven't earned his mercy, and yet he gives us what we haven't deserved or um, performed to accomplish. And we're going to, we're still in Luke chapter 15 where the Pharisees and the tax collectors and the sinners are all around interacting with Jesus. And one of the parables that he shares to describe to the Pharisees is the parable of the prodigal son. Except nowhere in that parable is the word prodigal using used. It's not used. But when we hear that, we always focus on the younger son, don't we? Um, we had some uh, internet problems. We have our own internet. We're that fancy. But we're that fancy that it broke. So there's some paintings I wanted to show you. So I'm going to have to ask uh, Cameron. So this is uh, a story of the prodigal son. It's not um, historically correct, but it's the idea of a son coming back to his father after he's walked away. Uh, Then we have another painting. Again, just the father and the son. The son that left and, and spent his money in wild living. And then we go to this one and, of course, still just the two of them. But if we look at Rembrandt's painting, his is a little bit different. Because if you can look in the back, you see that little shaded figure in the back, that's supposed to be the older brother. It's not biblically correct, because the older brother's never actually there with them. But he's always forgotten. He's always ignored. So this morning, we're going to look and listen to the older brother. So I thought it would be a good idea if we could actually bring the older brother And we're going to have the older brother share from his perspective. Um, As you will hear, this is Jonah, and he is going to share what he thinks about what happened.
1: For too long, I've remained silent. I've bit my tongue while people, preachers in particular, have dragged my name through the mud. Using me as a don't be like him example, a man can only take so much. And I've taken my fill. It's time to speak and defend my honor, to present my case. I am Jonah, the unnamed brother. In that embarrassing tale that the rabbi from Nazareth told, and since you've heard his side of the story, now hear mine. When my kid brother approached our dad to demand his share of the state, I was stunned. You just don't do that. It's like saying to your father, I wish you were dead. So the will could be read and I could get mine. What kind of son does that? I'll tell you. One that's not to be trusted, that's who. And if that weren't shocking enough, our dad went and handed it over. It was like this son and his wishes were more important than our family's financial well-being, not to mention our reputation, Didn't they care what people would think? But what was done was done. He asked the unthinkable. Dad conceded and packed his bags. He packed his bags and left. He may have been born my brother, but in my book, my brother who does that is no brother at all. He's no better than a pagan. After he left, rumors began to circulate, and a whole host of scandalous things he'd done while he was still serving under a roof. I mean, given the way he treated our father, I wouldn't be surprised if many of them were true. A son doesn't become unfa- unfaithful overnight. There had to have been a prehistory of sin. But what disgusts me more is all the stories drifted back to us after he'd left for parts unknown. He took our father's hard-earned cash, our family's money. He used it to satisfy his sexual appetite. He was probably a VIP customer at every whorehouse in the land. I may have no hard evidence, but I'm telling you, when you hear as many stories as I do, they can't all be false. You may call him a prodigal son, but I call him a promiscuous brother for all that he has done. While he was out whoring, I was home working, and there was plenty of work to do since I had to do it for both of us. Somebody had to pick up the slack, and at risk of sounding boastful, I think I did a pretty damn good job. I did what my father told me to do. I did, no questions asked. His word was my law. Indeed, after my brother deserted us, I even tried harder to be faithful and more obedient to make up for his wrongdoing. I was doing that very thing the day when I heard the sound of music and dancing drifting from the house. When a servant told me that they were celebrating my brother's return, shock thundered through me followed by my disgust that I could almost taste. There was no way in hell I was going to join in that ungodly celebration. What was there to celebrate? A faithless son, a destroyer of our family, a sexual predator? At the very least, he ought to have been taken back and made to do the work of the lowest slave. And if and until he had at least earned our trust, He needed to be taught a lesson. He needed to earn earn his way back into our family's good graces. That boy didn't need a forgiving father. But a strict judge. Otherwise, who's to say that history wouldn't repeat itself? And once again, he'd soil the good name of our family. The whole debacle reeks of unfairness. There are some sins that require stricter punishment, even within a family. It wasn't as if he'd forgot to do his chores one night or even backtalked our father. Remember, he wanted him dead. He wanted my father dead. He walked out on our family. He wasted his wealth on womanizing. I refuse to celebrate such a man, even if He is my brother. As God is my witness, witness, I have too much respect for the commandment, honor your father and your mother. To turn a blind eye to such damnable iniquity. If there's going to be a celebration, why not celebrate fidelity, obedience, and hard work? Where's the party for the man who stuck around and exemplifies those qualities? I and others like me labor all day in the fields. We break our backs for this family. We walk together side by side in Concord. We do what our Father tells us to do. Is it too much to ask that we have a little party of our own? That our achievements are congratulated. But no, while we go overlooked and underrewarded, and the party rages on for the pagan, the dead son who came back to life... If he wants his life back, hand him a hoe and a shovel and tell him to work for it. People may call me what they want. Hypocrite, Pharisee, holier than thou, but try, if you will, to look at the story from my perspective. He strayed, I stayed. He hoarded, I worked. He disobeyed, I obeyed. He dishonored father. I was a true son. Whatever may come of this, I've resolved one thing for certain. I will not be the kind of father that my father has been. There must be boundaries, even to paternal love. If my own son betrays me as my brother has our father, there would be consequences and they would be severe For in the end, it is only through discipline and appropriate punishment that sons learn respect and obedience. If love and forgiveness are so easily obtained, what kind of world has this become? Sincerely, Jonah.
0: I don't know if you could hear it, but... um... Jonah's a little angry. We too often read Jesus' words, we read the scripture, and we sterilize it in our own minds and our hearts. But as we look here at this passage, I don't even know if Matt was angry enough. <laughs> because the older son who Jesus is, is painting for us is furious. Furious. But I want us to remember the context of this passage. This um, what what Matt read was actually from a seminary professor named Matt Bird, and he wanted to try to describe to his students and to others so they would look at this passage with new eyes. So as we look at it, we are going to um, leave out the interactions with the younger son because we don't need those right now. When Jesus shared this passage, as we have talked about last week, he shared it to the Pharisees, to the religious scholars, the seminary professors, so to speak, and the tax collectors and the sinners, but he was responding to the leaders. So here we see in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to that, Luke 15, 1 and 2, it says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them? Does that sound familiar? That should sound similar to you to the older brother. Because as he's sharing this story, there's two types of people. In fact, you could take all of humanity, probably, and divide us into two. You've got got the one son that wants to direct their own path they don't want the rules and then you have the other person that's keeping all the rules the Pharisees kept all the rules they made sure they did everything right and correct and then when they see Jesus spending time with these others that have taken what God has given and wasted it and then they get to just hang out with Jesus they just get to come back Okay, Jesus must be telling them what they want to hear. He must be just catering to try to get a crowd. You could call it prosperity theology. You could call it universalism. But he's doing something, I know he is, that's not correct. Because anyone that was godly would not spend time with these type of people. They haven't earned it. They've strayed. They've wasted what God has given them. And they expect they can just come right back into the fold like it's no big deal. So as we look at this, I want us to look at it with new eyes, and I want us to ask this important question, because whenever we see these passages, it's so easy for us to look at the younger son and picture ourselves as the younger son, or picture others we know as the younger sibling, or we get our eyes fixated on the the father, the father who runs to the younger son and embraces him, and we'll talk about that in a couple weeks, It's a beautiful picture. But we can't forget the older brother because Jesus intended for all of those present to see him and for them to ask this question. Am I like the older brother? Am I similar? And I think what we're gonna find out is we're lots more like the older brother than we know. So let's take a new look at this passage. So, We see here in Luke 15, verse 25, which is where we'll start, the younger son has already come back, but now the older son is brought into the story or the parable. And this is what we need to know about this parable. This parable, the intention of it, like all parables, is to teach us what God is like and who he loves. Did you hear that? The parable, the intention of it, the purpose of it is to show us who God loves, right? And I forgot the second part. Just because I did, I don't know why. It'll come to me later, and I'll remind you, as I'm reminded, um, that it's to show us who God loves and what he's like. So you got both of them right there. So I remembered it just in time. So knowing that, here we are, Luke. Fifteen twenty-five. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, so he called one of the servants, one of the paid servants, and asked him what was going on. Well, your brother has come, and your father has ki- killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, if you were coming home, and maybe you you're a lady, you live with a bunch of ladies, maybe your guy, lives with a bunch of guys, maybe you have a family, maybe your kids have moved out. But if someone in your house says, hey, I think we should have steaks tonight, unless you're vegan or vegetarian or you don't eat red meat, you'd probably say, okay, sounds great. It's not that abnormal. It's not that weird. For this culture, that's a big deal. The even bigger deal is it's the fattened calf. If you don't know this, Tyler and I know this. You want steak with fat, marbled, that's, that's when the, the chefs get it and they go, oh, that's a good piece of meat because it has the fat. So this isn't just any calf, this is the fattened calf. This is the calf that's being raised for a big party and you don't have him just lying around. Even if you're wealthy, this is a big deal. So the servant has to tell the older brother, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And you've already been able to hear a little bit from Jonah, but it starts to just rage inside. Are you kidding me? Can't we all relate with the older son? Have you not seen things that are just completely unfair? When, and maybe it's in your family where a certain sibling is treated a certain way. You know if you're a parent and you have multiple siblings, you've got to be careful how you talk to them. Because if you said, oh, you did so well on that, the other kid's like, well, I did well too. They may even tell you that. Or if you're in the workplace and someone gets a promotion and you know the kind of worker they are, you're all frustrated. Why are you celebrating them? What about me? I see it all the time with parents who have kids who are in sports. Because if another kid is lifted up, you're going to see them jump in. Or before you can get to raising another kid or promoting them, I've seen parents take down other kids. Yeah, that kid's not that good. Why would we do that? Why does it bother me? Because I can relate with it, because it's in my heart. I want my kids to be lifted up above your kids. I want my kids in first place. Yay! We want. And when we don't feel like we get it, we get angry, especially if someone else who we believe hasn't earned it or deserved it gets that reward. Oh, it's on. So when we hear this older brother, we're like, oh, he's a little angry. You know what he's talking about. Because we all know what it is to see this unfairness. When someone gets what we want or what we feel we deserve. That's what's happening with the older brother here as he comes back. And you can see it building. So now let's look at it in verse 29. So his father comes out to him. But he answers his father, look. That's not how you talk to your dad at this time. In this culture, you say, father, Or esteemed father, but you don't say, look. It's like saying, look, man. Here he is talking about the younger son and the disrespect that he's had for the father. But here we see the older brother doing it too, don't we? Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat. Which is another way to say... You never gave me a DiGiorno pizza so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he doesn't say my brother. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? This son, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes here. Because when the the younger son left, the father had to take property and sell it. Because it's not like they have disposable cash. They have property. So he had to sell the property and then give it. And so a large piece of the estate is now gone to this younger son who's left. And then the younger son comes back. Well, now that the younger son has come back, and this father is throwing the party and giving him the robe and the ring. He's saying, you're back in. You're an heir again. So the whole property value has decreased. So now the older brother's piece of the financial pie shrank already. But now it shrinks again because some of his piece is given back to this son, your son, not my brother anymore, your son that has come back. Now he's taking pieces for me. Not only is he have to have this fattened calf not as y'all getting this attention, not are we throwing this party for everybody in the neighborhood, but now the attention is on him, he gets some of my money, you can see why he would be frustrated. This is not fair. This is not fair what's happening to this son. And everyone in the neighborhood, everyone that's invited to this party, they're not gonna be looking at this father going, oh, what a good dad. He took in the younger son that, took everything. No, because in this culture, what he should have done, the old father, what should have been expected, what everyone expects them to do, what is the norm, is that he should have beat his son down, his younger son, when he came running down the road. He should have pummeled him. So now everybody is coming into this party, and they're looking side-eyed at the father, looking down on him for his love for his younger son. So wouldn't it be great if the older son came to support his dad, to stand by him, even if he doesn't agree? But he doesn't. Which gives us an indication here that the older son, or the Pharisee, or the religious scholar, or the person that has spent their life trying to do everything right so that they can get a reward, They're not doing it to please God because if they wanted to please God, they would come into the house to the party, right? That would make the father happy, but he doesn't want to do that. So he stays outside, refuses to come in, and not only dishonors his father when he does come out, but dishonors his father by not even coming in and letting everybody else know, hey, even the older brother knows this is ridiculous. This this old man has lost his mind. we go to verse 31 and the father replies he says my son you are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found a couple things I want us to see here I think that Jesus wants to notice that not only did the Father, who represents God, if you didn't know that, the Father in this is Jesus' depiction of what the Father is like. This parable is supposed to open up our eyes to what God is like. And so this Father, as we will talk about in a couple weeks, he pulls up his robe and he runs out. Have you ever seen God run before? Well, he's running now, and he's running out to the Son who is on the outside. But did you notice that the older brother is also outside? Did you notice that the younger brother came home and tried to come back into the house? But did you notice that the older brother refuses to admit his fault and stays outside, but the father still goes out to him? In this culture, everyone would be like, they would notice that. They would pick up on that. Because when the father says, come, you come. Not like we do in our culture. Hey, come, come, come. No, really, really. No, really. I mean it this time. No, I really mean it. No, in this culture, you say come, the the son would come, but he refuses. But I've always obeyed you, but I refuse you now. But this father comes to the older son because the older son is also on the outside. Did you catch that? So it's not just about the younger son. The older son misses it also. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's look here at verse 28. It says here, verse 28 of chapter 15, But he, the older son, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him to come in. That should sound familiar, because the older son's on the outside, just like the younger son was until he realized his position, realized that he was lost, but the older son does not realize he's lost. But God came for him also. We see it here in Luke, um, earlier in Luke, Luke chapter 5, 31 and 32. This is Jesus from the message translation. He said, who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? The older brother thinks he's healthy because he's done all the right things. I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life. Changed inside and out. The older son is just as lost as the younger son. But the younger son has come home. The beauty of this, the thing that caught me for the first time, and I've never seen it before, I don't know if you've read this book. I talked to a lot of people that hadn't, and it was sad to me because it's such an amazing book. But it's written by um, Tim Keller, and it's called The Prodigal God. And he showed me something that I hadn't seen before. He says, well, let me read it to you. He says, even though each of us, like the sons, is trying to get control in our own way, The father cares for both of them and invites both of them back into his love, away from their own plans for fullness and reward and into his feast. And then he says this. Remember the parables are supposed to teach us about God and about his love, who he loves. Both of the boys were wrong. All of us are wrong. Do you know that? The older brother didn't know it. The younger brother did. All of us are wrong, but all of us are loved. And all of us must change. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But the older brother misses it. He's trying to earn his way into God's favor, into the Father's favor. He's trying to earn his way to receive things. And that's why we respond sometimes and go, wait, this isn't supposed to happen. I've done this and this and this. I should get this response. When I was dying, I would have people that I would know angry at God because they would say, well, this doesn't make sense. Boog and his family have committed to God. They've given their life to him. They're trying to serve others. He shouldn't be dying. That's not fair. I have another friend who's in a similar situation where their child is sick and the mother says i know i know my child's going to be healed because god is fair and would never let this happen to me because i've always served him or other people that are struggling through their finances or their depression or their family life and they can't figure out why is this happening because i've done all these things i deserve this that is not the way life works we need to know who god loves And we need to know how he is. And what he says is he tells his people, he tells this older son, everything I have has always been yours. I've always loved you. You have to trust me. It's not about the fattened calf. It's not about the DiGiorno. It's not about your circumstances. I love you. The younger son went out on his own and took matters into his own hands. He, depict, he decided his journey. He sought out his own salvation, his own freedom. The older son has done the exact same thing. But he's been caught up in the rules. But he's forgotten the relationship. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn this full life. It is a gift from God. It is by grace we have been saved. And not by works but this older brother misses it. The Pharisees miss it. We can't miss that. We cannot miss this. And I wanna close with this. There's one person that's in the story that you may miss because when you hear this story, there's gonna be this burning inside of you because when you look at the older brother, shouldn't the older brother have gone out and tried to find the younger brother because he loved, even if he didn't like his younger brother, because he loved his father, wouldn't he go out and risk his life going to a far-off land where it's dangerous to get there, knowing he may be killed because the places where this younger son is going to be, they're not the type of places that are safe to be. You have to navigate it. You have to figure it out. Wouldn't it have been fantastic if the older brother had gone out and asked around and then showed up to the younger brother and said, look, I've come out here. I was sent from the father because I love you. We want you to come back home. That person's missing from the story, but we all know he should be there, right? And as Jesus is sharing this story with the Pharisees and with the tax collectors and the sinners and with us, do you realize who's sharing the story? The one who comes from a far off land, who came here, who lived, died, and rose again so that we could go home. The Pharisees, hopefully they didn't miss this. And this story, the older brother, who Jesus is talking to, he's talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to the older brothers, it finishes with us not knowing how the older brother reacts. Does he come in? Does he stay outside? What happens? Can you hear the audience just kind of leaning forward in their chair, waiting for this to resolve? Maybe the older brother goes, forget you, and leaves. Or maybe he sulks. I just don't want to talk about it right now. Like you can picture all of these. Or like the Lifetime movies, you're so right. I was wrong. I'm going to come on in and embrace. That's probably not going to happen, is it? It may happen where he goes in, but he's not going to react that way. He will be reluctant. And we'll talk about that in the next few weeks as well. But where are you in this story? You're obviously not the heavenly father. And you can relate with the younger son, but can you relate with the older brother? Are you trying to earn your way? There is nothing you can do. You plus no action equals salvation. There's nothing you can do. It's Jesus. His death on the cross. His love for us plus nothing that equals salvation. That's why we're saved. There was nothing the older brother could do or the younger brother could do except turn to God and be saved. And as we hear this parable from Jesus, we're all wondering, is he gonna turn to God? Is he gonna turn to his father? Is he gonna come in? Is he gonna join the feast? So I wanna pray for us, and then I wanna invite Kim to lead us in worship. Um, I was with
2: some friends this week, and we were talking about the concept of ambition um, and how one of us had kind of listened to a podcast or something about ambition and uh, we were talking about how we can tell when our ambition has gotten completely out of whack. Uh, the ambition isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's gotten out of whack when we can't see the success of others as our own. Um, and that I really uh, spoke to me just because I a lot of times feel like I can't um I don't know I get I, I someone else will be nailing it in like art or something that I I really aspire to be good at and I instead of this like joy for them because um, we're all on the same team there's this uh this feeling of anger and bitterness and they, they must have so much time and they, they have this, this, and this and that's why they were able to make that happen and I, and I haven't been able to make it happen um, and I really see the, the brother in me in those moments um, and I realize that just as similarly as when we believe that we have a calling and a purpose and that's just ours and we're blessed to have it, that means we can root others on um, when when they are nailing it, when they are going for their calling and they're being blessed and encouraged and we that we can be blessed and encouraged by that too. and that re- grace is so similar to that and that we can if we resent grace when other people are giving grace, it kind of shows what we really think we deserve and what we really believe grace is um and i know that for sure for myself um that a lot of times i do not extend grace to others because a lot of times i don't really believe i deserve it um and i do and you do and we need to encourage each other and support one another and remember um that we're all on the same team and just pray for one another and uh, i'm gonna do that right now (laughs) dear lord thank you so much for your grace that um, is just so big and wide and tall and um, just unfathomable, Father. uh, Thank you. And uh, help us to see it um, and believe it for ourselves and um, that that in turn would just shine uh, on others as well and that we um, we would know you, Father, and that others would know you through the grace that we show each other. Um, Thank you, in your name, amen.